You're listening to the On Call Impact Show. All right, guys, we are back for another episode of the On Call Empath. I wanted to switch it up a little bit. You know, I've been getting all these experts after experts and so many different professionals from all different areas. So I decided to reach out to a guest who wants to share his personal story uh, about scapegoating. Now, I didn't know much about what scapegoating was, what it entails. But if you guys are tuning into this episode and you've heard that term scapegoating or or you're just kind of curious about it, or maybe you really know a lot about it, this is definitely an episode you do not want to miss. Uh, Marvin T. is a longtime loyal listener, client, and you know what? I The minute I spoke to this guy, he just started getting me thinking, and I could resonate with his energy, and you're going to hear his story and how he turned his life around. Very inspirational guy. Like The minute I spoke to him, I was like, okay. I want him on my show. Like I'm going to try to get more people that have been through uh, more traumatic experiences in life because I feel that's as equally important that you guys get the sides of both sides, not just the professionals, but let's face it, the trauma victims, the survivors, those are the people that probably know the most. Why? Because they've been through it. They've been through the hell and they've come back even stronger and Marvin T is one of them. So without further ado, Marvin T, what's going on? Welcome to the On Call Empath. That was a great intro. Thank you so much. I'm blushing over <laughs> here. Uh, I really appreciate uh, uh, the time and uh, I'm glad to kind of um, be able to use this platform and get the word out. So thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Absolutely, man. And you know what? Like the minute I spoke to you, it's like, we had something in common and I really liked your energy. So I feel like the the empaths, the highly sensitive people, all the people that are listening right now is going to resonate with you. But I wanted to start by asking you, just starting off, maybe you could tell the audience uh, a little bit about what scapegoating is just for those people that never maybe heard the term, if you can kind of explain that. Sure. So, um, I guess scapegoating is based off of like a, a ancient Jewish biblical term where like in order to absolve yourself of your sins, you pick a goat. Um, you essentially just cast the goat off into the desert so it wandered by itself and died. And then in that way, the goat would take responsibility for your sins and then you wouldn't have to anymore. So that was kind of way of kind of getting forgiveness. And sure. so um, they kind of use that term in kind of psychological um, dynamics as well. So whenever someone can't necessarily deal with negative emotions or doesn't necessarily want to take responsibility, they can kind of um, pick a scapegoat and kind of project their problems onto that person. So, um, you know, that person is the reason why they're late. That person is the reason why they're angry or overreacting or upset. Um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it takes a toll. Um, I was a, a family scapegoat and um, I would say my, uh, Emotional abuse pretty much started when I was three years old. So um, kind of from that time, being blamed for everything, being the kind of center of um, the issue. So um, that's kind of the dynamic at work. Got you. And now for those that are listening out there that may have heard the term, um, now, has this happened in a family dynamic? Is there narcissists involved? Can you just kind of go over your experience, your personal story in a nutshell. I know it's a 
it's amazing story that that we talked about before, but if you can kind of give a context to the audience. Sure. So I think um, skateboarding is something that most narcissists will eventually do at some point. It's a way for them. Um, they don't really do well with taking responsibility or admitting to mistakes or admitting when things go wrong. So instead of kind of dealing with those issues themselves, they kind of project it onto somebody else. Um, so that was kind of the dynamic of what happened to me. I was the scapegoat in my family. So I'm sure that like um, you could be at work and kind of be the scapegoat or the outcast um, or the black sheep. But, um, you know, starting off very young, I was kind of um, the scapegoat. Um, I was the think of my mom and my dad both as overt narcissists. Um, and I think the scapegoating is essentially what, how they undermine my reputation, um, starting off at the youngest age possible in front of like mm-hmm. my broader kind of family system and the uh, extended family network. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the, the, I mean, you know, your parents kind of shape how a lot of people see you. So mm-hmm. essentially them, you know, highlighting the worst qualities of mine um, highlighting my mistakes, mm-hmm. um, blaming me for their problems as a way to kind of mm-hmm. um, get people to kind of uh, uh, see me in a negative light. Yeah, it's very interesting because I know firsthand, especially coming from an East Indian background, um, I've heard this from a lot of my clients um, from different cultures, especially those that are growing up with so much pressure. It's like they are taking the brunt of all the pressures in the family they're like the punching bag. They're like the person they go to to, you know, put them down. Um, not just mentally, but sometimes you know they'll they'll gang up on on one person, yeah. uh, make fun of their weight, their appearance, and so after years and years of abuse, what happens to this person? Um, they become numb. Some people like just go into addiction. Some people go into deep depression um, and they, they try to get help from, you know, all different areas, but especially the people that I see, it's like something that just they carry with in every aspects of their lives. Would you kind of agree with, with that, with, especially with what happened with you personally? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I think, um, you know, you want to grow up in a family where people can relate to you, people um, have compassion for you, patience with you, for your kindness. Um, you want to grow up in a world where people are kind of teaching you how to grow and be better instead of kind of, you know, just looking for opportunities to punish you or um, trying to prod you into kind of being what they want you to be. Um, so, yeah, I think it was definitely um, a very humiliating childhood, frankly. Um, you know, dealing with feelings of worthlessness, dealing with fearing feelings of um, loneliness and isolation, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing other people experiencing love and seeing how narcissists can reward people for serving them um, or kind of playing the role the right way or living up to expectations. So mm-hmm. um, you're seeing other people kind of get that level of treatment and then you're getting, you know, water put over your head, water put in your face. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, people prodding you in the stomach, calling you or calling you fat. So yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's difficult. So I, I definitely think it takes a huge toll. Um, and frankly, uh, um, I have CPTSD, you know, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So like, mm-hmm. it was literally traumatic. Um, and it started off at a very young age. So um, definitely the trauma is something that I'm working through. Um, and it manifests itself in a lot of ways. 
Um, but yeah, definitely going through something like this in your childhood is um, mm-hmm. it's, it's child abuse. It's a um, it's emotional abuse and it's child abuse. Yeah. So um, it's important to call it that, and it's important for kind of survivors mm-hmm. of this experience to kind of get the support that they need to kind of live full lives. Yeah, and you've come a long way. So I I definitely like after hearing your story and speaking to you before the podcast, you know, and listening to it, you've come a long way. And this is proof guys, all you, all everyone that's listening on this podcast, Marvin's proof that you can move forward. You can um, experience recovery and have, you know, make your life meaningful. Um, I mean, I was there myself, like, you know, when you're raised, not only just by people that are narcissists, but then like, even in the school system, you know, I was different, you know, bullying, and then you come back and you're right in that environment. Now you're being bullied by your family. So after, you know, decades of that kind of stuff, like it's hard to, you know, function in society. It's kind of embarrassing to talk about. You know, I would probably say that, I mean, for me, it's, it's always going to be work. Like I know that I have to um, take care of myself mentally and physically, uh, or I'll start going down that rabbit hole of, you know, my past and, and what they did and start blaming. Um, But if I look deep, deep into it and I, and I look at it from a third party's perspective, the, the people that that are responsible for this, uh, especially with, in your situation, I would be very interested to see how they were raised and what their culture, what their norms, what their traditions were. I mean, does, is that something that happens generationally? And if it does, it, the, the, it's like a curse, right? It stops mm-hmm. with us. We're the ones that are the generational breakers. I mean, what do you yeah. think about that? It kind of, you know, whenever you're the person who breaks the, a generational cycle, whether it's a poverty or abuse or trauma, it kind of is like you get the shortest end of the stick because um, not only are you subjected to this, you have to then figure out how to do something different. You have to figure out how to kind of a new way of being, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing things. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, my parents, um, you know, I'm Haitian American. I'm very proud of my Haitian heritage. My parents were born and raised in Haiti. I was one raised in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just a very tough climate for them to grow up in. I, I do have a lot of compassion for what they must have gone through. I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, they were more abused than I was, um, and they were also dealing with a lot of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I understand that it took a toll on them. But also in terms of culture, I think, you know, the idea that there aren't really bad parents, it's just bad children, mm-hmm. um, that children... That, you know, usually the issue is children. Children have to be disciplined. Children have to be seen and not heard. Um, you know, if you see a parent losing their temper, it's not a sign that the parent is crossing a line. It's a sign that the child needs to be checked. Um, mm-hmm. Also, a lot of a focus on, like, um, outside appearances and kind of, you know, yeah. your status in society, living up to something. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of the idea that, like, you know, children are, you know, the, the property of their parents. Um, mm-hmm, you're supposed to make mm-hmm. your parents look good. You're supposed to make your parents feel good. You're supposed to make your parents yeah. proud. So, um, so yeah, I definitely think see that as kind of an mm-hmm. intergenerational dynamic. Also, the idea of like hierarchies within families and just yes. hierarchies in general, exactly. like really taking that on, and mm-hmm. like the idea of kind of putting someone at the bottom of a hierarchy, or the idea that mm-hmm. someone is naturally end up there. Um, that's kind of almost taken for granted that, um, of course, the member of the family would kind of end up in that position. Um, I'm sure there's right. 
I mean, I don't want to speak for them and what they see, but I think in terms of how I was treated as a kid, like um, I was also, um, I was overweight as a kid. Um, I identify as bisexual. So I think, I think there were a lot of things where, frankly, if people didn't want to, to like what, if, if, some, if somebody wanted to find something not to like, they would find it. Um, obviously, not everyone focuses on weight. Not everyone focuses on sexual orientation or sexuality. Yeah. But a lot of people do. And I think that dynamic really fed mm-hmm. into why I was singled out. And um, once I was mm-hmm. kind of singled out, you know, the emotional abuse mm-hmm. and the blaming and the mobbing mm-hmm. um, and the threats and the humiliation, they just kind of piled on after that. Yeah. Um, in a very intense way. Exactly. And I mean, every every place, every person goes through something different. For me, it was, you know, skin color or, you know, when I got sick a lot, I wasn't like sure why I was being getting sick. You know, they would tell me, you know, snap out of it. You know, why can't you be like just skin color was a huge thing. Um, And when I looked more into it, it it seems like it's like a, you know, it's bigger than that. It's like a cultural thing that is taboo that they they don't really talk about it in society. But behind closed doors, you know, that's how they they kind of judge somebody or, you know, how someone looks, their outside appearance. And if we're not the image of them, of our abusers, then they get very angry. Like I remember growing out my hair once or getting earrings and tattoos, which I totally got when I left that, you know, all my abusers, like I totally rebelled because I was just like, F you, like I'm going to live my life the way I want to. But all those years I was repressed. I couldn't uh, talk back. I couldn't, you know, show any healthy anger. So what happens is, of course, when you get older, you want to rebel. You want to just like get into all kinds of different, you know, a lot of people that I coach go into addiction. Um, A lot of them get uh, like, they get that victim mentality, you know, <clears throat> but then I, I went through all that. I went through all those stages of anger, frustration. Now, the great part about all this is, you know, speaking to people like yourself and mm-hmm. all the hundreds of guests that kind of been through abuse. I'm starting to learn that, you know, it it's coming from somewhere. Somebody abused that person, which it, it just continues. Yeah. And so that's why I'm trying to make this, this, especially this episode is to let you guys know that are listening. If you feel like you're trapped and there's no hope and it's just never going to change, know that it's going to, you can make this, this stop. You can, your generation, your, your, your line, it stops with you. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast and, and have, you know, like you on here just to kind of tell people like, yeah, I've been through it too. And um, yeah. and, and look at how far you've come. So one thing I wanted to kind of switch gears here is like, let's say someone's listening right now um, and they, you know, they've been abused. What are some of the uh, advice that you can give that worked for you? Again, guys, this is not medical advice whatsoever. Definitely go see a qualified physician if you're having any mental health issues. This is just us talking between ourselves that may have worked but I'm going to give you the, um, you know, just kind of like the platform to kind of tell us what worked for you and um, if there's any advice that you can give to any of the audience members. Sure. And I, I definitely reiterate, like I am not a therapist, I'm not a trained mental health professional yeah. at all. So just a person who, who's lived it. But um, I guess, yeah, I believe that, you know, we were all put on earth to kind of live out our own individual mission. We weren't put on earth to kind of 
lean on on anybody else's purpose or live up to anybody else's standards. So I think it's just really learning to kind of listen to who you are as a person, listen to your own emotions, listen to where you want to go, who you want to be as a person. Um, I spent a lot of time really having to release a lot of shame over my body image and release a lot of shame over my sexuality. Um, and I think that's important. You know, we all need to love ourselves for who we are. Um, I was going to say, you know, not not all. I think for me, like sometimes people kind of thought, especially when I was growing up, that being empathic was automatically synonymous with being queer, or being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like I happen to be, you know, bisexual and empathic, but you know, there's nothing wrong with being empathic. There's nothing wrong with being queer. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are both, and that's good. Some people are just empathic or just queer, and that's fine. So I think it's just about accepting ourselves. Um, also, I think obviously, I, I think seeing emotional abuse as traumatic. Um, I think people kind of understand that, you know, if you were in a car accident or if you were, you know, you know, I did experience sexual violation as a kid. Um, but a lot of times when, when it's um, emotional abuse or when it's verbal abuse, um, when it's just humiliation and, 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 you know, angry outbursts, people don't necessarily see it as a traumatic experience. And I think, you know, definitely seeing, you know, those experiences as traumas um, that have an impact on your mind and your body and kind of working with mental health professionals that kind of see it who are trauma informed and see it that way as well. Um, I think that's really important. And I guess lastly, um, I guess this is kind of sad in a way, but I think, you know, my abuse is my priority, um, but it's not necessarily the priority of the people who, you know, enabled it, who watched it, who saw it. Um, and so if I want to live a life where I'm going to heal, I have to kind of, I can't lean on them. I can't, you know, ask them to kind of step up or ask them to make the sacrifices. I have to kind of, you know, turn to myself. And I think, um, I'm glad that there's kind of a a community online and in person of other survivors who you can kind Mm -hmm. of turn to and relate to, and who are also kind of committed to a healing journey. And, um, so yeah, I think it's about kind of understanding that. Not everyone is going to see it. Not everyone is going to understand it. Not everyone is going to be willing to kind of own up to it. Um, but once you understand that you're not comfortable with how you're treated, you have the right to make changes and improve your own right. life. So that's what I encourage for everyone. Yeah. And and I do look up to you, I mean, for you to go through all this and now speaking up about it. Um, I think one of the biggest things, especially nowadays in 2022, you know, just saying that, it, you know, you're different, you know, skin color, whatever your sexual orientation everyone has like um their own opinion about certain groups mm-hmm. and people so i feel like there's a lot of people especially those that i do coach um they don't even tell their closest uh, family members or people that they're friends with about their um insecurities and things like that they will kind of keep it all in out of embarrassment that's why it's very important that you reach out to a coach a therapist uh, a support group uh you don't have to suffer alone um i think that's one of the biggest biggest things for healing because if you try to do this all alone and keep it bottled up inside eventually it's going to manifest and i promise you it's going to manifest in all kinds of weird ways whether it's body pain uh physical yeah. issues i mean what is your take on that i mean have you uh experienced that when you were kind of holding all this in definitely i think um you know, the, the part of my abuse does, does include kind of sexual violation. We don't have to go into too heavy details, but essentially people kind of cross the line with me. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
they cross the line and then they blame me for crossing the line. You know, I'm kind of standing right. there naked and humiliated and, you know, people kind of aren't willing to kind of give me compassion or even give me privacy, frankly. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think I have a lot of body shame. I, I you know, definitely deal with a lot of compulsions, compulsions, compulsive eating, um, mm-hmm. is big with me. Um, you know, a, a little bit more, uh, uh, uh marijuana use than, than I would like, a little bit more porn use, um, and a little bit, a little bit more into hookup culture than I think. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think, um, we all have goals for ourselves and we all have values for ourselves. And I think, you know, um, I kind of got to a point where, when I thought about what my goals were for myself and, and, and what my values were, I, I kind of felt like I was a little bit too much into my vices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that isn't to judge myself or anybody else. That's just to kind of say that, you know, I, I can acknowledge that, um, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of pain from, from what I've been through as a kid. Um, and I am on a healing process, but that process takes time. And I think sometimes it's easier to kind of lean on your vices to feel good. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely have to admit to that. You know, I want to own that. I think um, I'm, I'm, on, I'm in a 12-step program for kind of, um, um, you know, porn use and kinds of uh, um, intimacy avoidance and, and sexual acting out. And I think, um, you know, you just have to kind of admit it and you have to kind of put, put it up there and kind of say, you know what, this is who I am. I think it comes from somewhere. Um, you know, it comes as, as a result of the abuse. But, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of admit mm-hmm. to that. and be willing to do what it takes to kind of learn and grow from it. So, yeah. you know, don't, don't want to, I think, um, I feel like beating up, beating up on yourself makes you more likely to kind of go to the compulsions and more likely to kind of lean on those things. So I think it's less about kind of being like, oh, like bad Marvin, you did X, Y, and Z and more kind of saying, you know what, like, you know what you want, you know what you can do. Let's try to just work there over time to kind of get the mm-hmm. most out of life. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's hard work, but, um, I'm on the journey. I'm I'm committed to it. Yes, and um, thank you for sharing, you know, some of your vulnerable stories on here. I know it's not easy, um, but again, you know, on the podcast, this is this is a safe place where people could come and um, know that you guys are never alone. So, with that said, just kind of wrapping up here, Marvin, it was an honor to have you on the podcast. Could you, can I just ask you this one final question? Um, mm-hmm. And this is, I'm sure somebody will, that's listening, will take something very valuable away. It's kind of like a two part question. So the first question is if you can hop in a time machine um, and go back way back when, you know, this was happening, what would you have done differently? What can they do right after this podcast that they can kind of incorporate? Um, to just kind of start the healing process if they're in a place where they've just kind of given up um, and they're in they're in your spot like maybe ten years ago, what can you tell that person? Uh, thanks. I would say first, if I could go back now, I definitely would have told more people about the abuse I was going through and the mm. family dynamic that I was going through. Um, a big reason why I'm doing this podcast now is because I think of all the people who I didn't tell the truth to, that I kept mm-hmm. things bottled up, that I kept things secret. And I think I'm the person who lost in the long run for not kind of being willing to kind of take that risk. And I think people would have been willing to help me if they understood how I was feeling. So um, that's something that I would have done as a kid. Um, obviously, the earlier the better because it, it, it 
you know, the abuse really did start for me when I was three years old. Um, but um, I think at any point, if I could have just kind of, you know, raised my hand and said, you know what, things are happening that I'm not comfortable with. Um, I need help. I think that would have been better off for me. Um, so that's, that's the thing, the first thing. And then I think if anyone is where I was then, I think definitely creating space between, I think the people in your life are supposed to give you energy. They're supposed to make mm-hmm. you feel happy. They're supposed to make you feel supported, like you're moving closer to your goals. If the people in your life have you feeling um, kind of lost and confused and like you're not good enough, if you feel like you're trying to kind of be something for them, um, that's not the right mix. So I think it's just important to kind of mm-hmm. create space where you can kind of be who you are meant to be, mm-hmm. um, where you can feel your own emotions, where you can express what's on your mind and what's on your heart. And yeah, just, just you know, being being honest with yourself about who you are and then finding safe spaces where you can be honest with other people as well. Um, I think that's been something that's really helped me kind of grow to be able to look for, you know, positive influence and positive love, and positive reinforcement. So uh, that's what uh-huh. was missing before. And I feel like I'm, I'm on a path where I can start to gain that now. Sure. Very well said. And uh, again, it, I'm so glad that we crossed paths. I really appreciate you being a loyal listener for so long. Um, it really makes me uh, feel good that, you know, it's making a difference for people. And so I decided that, you know, I wanted you to come on this podcast and just kind of share your story. Um, so you're always welcome back. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on the on-call empath. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. And um yeah, I think I, I'm proud of this work. Um, you know, we need to stick together, people who've been through what we've been through. So just glad to kind of um, pay it forward and to be a part of this community. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, guys, that does it for this episode. I hope you guys got something out of this. Um, stay tuned for the next episode. I have a lot more guests coming on this month. Um, also, I am taking new coaching clients. Uh, the link would be in the bio. Um, I have two spots left, so feel free to reach out to me or email me and um, always, always keep moving forward. And with that said, we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.